What is up? Welcome back to Big Fat Five, a podcast financially supported by Big Fat Snare Drum. My name is Ben Hilzinger, and this week's guest is Jonathan Pinson, an award-winning drummer and band leader. He's played with Herbie Hancock, Wayne Shorter, and so many others. He has a master's in music from UCLA via the prestigious Thelonious Monk Institute of Jazz Performance. He's also currently a professor at California Institute of the Arts. He's an incredible musician, and it was an honor to have him on the show. Please go check him out. Link in the show notes. All that jazz. No pun intended. But let's get to it. I hope you enjoy the five records that helped shape Jonathan Pinson into the drummer he is today. Cheers. have done this and i'm sorry if i haven't seen those videos um but i've been seeing a lot of the nelson drum shop pro drum grooves of the day thing and right. so if you were to go into one of those shops and they give you sticks and they just say jonathan just go crazy for 30 seconds what <laughs> would you do that's a good question um i probably just give them the sticks back <laughs> <laughs> that's and actually so, the best answer i've had so far <laughs> most relatable answer i guess yeah <laughs> it's like you don't want to hear me play right now that's right. yeah but it's cool i've you know um it's such an interesting thing if i were to do it obviously i just play because i love i love drums you know i i look at the drum set as like a full-on laboratory like they, I think cannabis did that too. Like yeah, it, just yeah. That was doing the process of me just investigating. First of all, it, it was my it was my snare, just seeing how they went and tuned it in what they like to their liking. Yeah, your signature snare, by the way, people don't know. So congrats on that, man. Thank you so much. But yeah, normally my time in those moments is really just being one with like the actual sound and the mm-hmm. observing the quality of the instrument. If it costs me to chop out, I'll do that in the music. But most of those times, I'm really just there just trying to engage the instrument. That's yeah. what I would probably do. <laughs> that, that's the correct answer, honestly. Um, and before we hop into your top five, what was your mindset going into this? I know I did prompt you as the records that shaped you, but people attack it at all different angles. Yeah. Mm. So it was a. It was actually a really, um, I, I actually liked that project. And then, you know, when you said to me, I was in New York and I was like, all right, when I get back to L.A., I got to really process it. And I was processing it on the plane and this and that. I think how I went about it in terms of like my choices, because I, I could go from the realm of like the my Los Angeles heroes, which I didn't do that much because Billy Higgins is the guy for me. Mm. But I kind of went about it in an artistic route and not just from the perspective of a drummer but just also how artistically how it kind of influenced like my path of where i'm at currently so the five picks were kind of solely on that and i had a couple of honorable mentions that kind of still touched that realm yeah in that so that's how i went about my picks love it all right so let's just number one the album is uh perceptual 
They're really, well, and I guess I always forget to say this. Is this in any particular order of, you know, most to least or how they in, were introduced to you or? Yeah, no, this, this was literally, it was like clear, like, all right, this is what's in my head right now. Boom. And yeah, that can be the first action. That's totally fine. Because okay. I don't have a problem with Brian Blade being the first one. Yeah, <laughs> hell no. All right. So the album is Perceptual. The release here is 2000. The artist is Brian Blade and the Fellowship Band. The song choice is Perceptual. And of course, like you said, the drummer is Brian Blade. Take it away and then we'll listen to it. Okay. So basically my the reason why I had this is my pick. I think this record can be stated as like this was a culture shock in the world of drums mm. brian blade is a very important figure around like i would say the late 90s is when he late 90s to like the early millennium the 2000s where he kind of made a mark in his career and in this album you kind of get a taste of his artistry as a band leader the fellowship in, in modern jazz music was probably arguably one of the best bands that came out in the 2000s you know there's live records of perceptual too where you it, you know the crowd gets kind of like really inspired i guess for the amount of energy or the sonic energy this is the recording version of it and you kind of still get that sense of like color and storytelling within the band and brian is like the forefront of making that happen i love it all right, well, here's, uh, yeah, we'll listen to a little bit of a uh, perceptual. Here we go. He makes every symbol sound so good. It's ridiculous, man. I mean, I, I've seen him a couple of times. I, I actually have to give a lot of um, thanks for him in, in my career, too. I've known him. I was 17, 18. Oh, wow. So 17, 18, our relationship uh, came about where he had to use my symbol because uh, it didn't make it on the plane or the Wayne Shorter Quartet. about him too is like it never plays the wrong thing ever yeah it just seems like he never makes a mistake as a drummer ever so yeah explain a little more so um he didn't get a his symbol didn't make the plane so how did he approach you was he nervous i mean like how did that interaction like the nuances of that interaction yeah, well, more so, I was nervous. It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, we were playing at the Panama Jazz Festival. I think this was actually my first out-of-country tour. Mm. I was in Berkeley College of Music at the time. It was my first year in, in college, and they brought a band to open for them. So Danilo, 
basically called me and was like, hey, Brian Blade needs cymbals. Can he use yours? And I was like, yeah. So I get there to sound check. And I, this is the first time I meet Brian. And Brian was just super, just like very grateful, super nice, super warm. And, you know, me being 18, I took this as the opportunity to ask some questions within the days because we were there for like a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And it just seemed what, what was really great about him is just like he made me a part of the experience. Like I never felt like I was really in the way with him. I, I think he more so he kind of engaged a kid who was inspired by him to be in his space and that experience in general. It made a huge impact in my life. You know, they say never meet your heroes. And this was a clear case of like, I'm glad I met him because mm-hmm. it kind of sets the standard of what kind of person you you should strive to be if you ever get to that level of excellence. Yeah, we've had a few people come on the show that have met him and they've all said the exact same thing. And it's kind of like when you when you listen to him play, it's like he has to be a nice guy. And just the way he interacts with people within the music. He has to be this humble, giving, selfless person. And so it it totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. A hundred percent. No, yeah. He's definitely uh, a muse for many, including myself, in terms of my going my own path as an artist and as a drummer too. Mm -hmm. Let's just go on to number two. And the album is Citizen Tane. The release year is 1999. The artist is Jeff Watts, Jeff Tane Watts, and uh, the song choice is The Impaler. And of course, it's uh, Jeff Tane Watts, so take it away. Okay, so Jeff Tane Watts, um, what is there, where to begin with him? I'll be honest, I am not familiar with Jeff, so... No worries. Talk to me as if I don't know, which is true. (laughs) It's fine. So Jeff Tane Watts is a very crucial... He was really strong in terms of the Marcellus brothers' sound. Mm. Bradford Marcellus and, and Wynton Marcellus, they came out in the eight in the eighties and that they kind of sparked the movement of like the, the young jazz lions and the resurgence of like jazz music. Mm. But Jeff Team Watts, um, which I'm sure plenty of the guys can say this. It's been a while since there's been like a strong voice in drums in jazz in a while after like the 70s have submerged and then you have this straight ahead combination happening. And Jeff Tane Watts was like, well, he is. He's like the guy that came up and found a way to put in fusion and then like the combination of the Elvin sound with the combination of the Tony Williams sound. And was like, all right, here's this gumbo pot. And this is Jeff Tane Watts. And when he came into the scene, he kind of inspired like Eric Carlin, you know, in terms of his approach and musicians that come right from that, like Ronald Brunner. They they can all coin and say like Jeff Tane Watts was the guy that they were checking out. And he kind of put this polyrhythmic perspective that Elvin already kind of introduced, but he put it in a totally different way. In addition to him being like this influential, innovative drummer, which you'll hear on the on this on the track, is his compositions were also amazing. He was a, he was a brilliant composer. So again, this was a, it was my first 
I guess one of my first experiences when I decided to be a band leader, like he was a great example of like, okay, he could really write just like Brian. I think he came earlier than Brian in terms of a demonstration from my time as a, a growing musician, like, oh, wow, this is a great drummer who has his own sound on the drums, but then can write and you could tell that's his writing. I love it. All right, here we go. Here's the Impaler. get your sleep in the bunk after that that is uh <laughs> yeah 100% like a, a, a drummer like that you have to just like come in with an assertion on your instrument because he's not letting up the whole time kind of remarkable to see another like a contrast you know of just like all right this is one way of like the approach of drums and this is a whole nother way which is equally still as amazing so, yeah have you ever gotten a chance to meet uh, meet Jeff? Yeah, so just yeah, I met Jeff a couple times, and I just saw him not too long ago, and it was funny. Like he was doing a gig. I I was on tour. One of the landing places was in Chicago, and he was playing in Chicago at the same time. So I was like, "Oh, Jeff Tain's playing. I'm gonna come." Yeah. I went over to see him at the club, and he, he spotted me, and then they were playing like this fast tempo tune. He was killing, and then he spotted me and saw me, and he had me come and sit in and play after him. Holy shit! <laughs> and I. Mind you, you heard what you just heard, just yeah. did. And then I'm like, you want me to play? Like, right <laughs> after? <laughs> like, it's Jeff Tane. Like, you know, I'm, I am I, I did not want to play right after that. And he gave me the little finger wag, too. Just like, come, come, kid. Like, you got to come in and get some of this. And, you know, it was fun. It was exhilarating. But mm. I did not want to play <laughs> right after Tane. <laughs> <laughs> Hey y'all, I wanted to, <laughs> I can't say, I wanted to talk to you about a drum I've recently received from Preston at Vessel Drum Co. It's an ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum, and it's incredible. It's got a 1.5 millimeter shell, brass shell, with 10 lugs, chrome over brass, triple flange hoops, a trick uh, three position strainer, 42 strand wires. It's lovely, it's loud, and it cuts and records as beautiful as a piece of butter cake. 
And, and Preston actually, this is why it's called the ocean patina, is he covers the shell with seaweed and then drops it in the ocean for a certain period of time. And then it patinas with all these crazy cool designs. And if you all remember, Preston was actually one of the first guests on the podcast. When I first started out, I didn't really know what the Big Fat Five format was going to be or if it was going to be even Big Fat Five at all. But I went to his garage, his his you know where he makes all of his drums. It was really cool. He walked me through the episode is essentially from start to finish what happens with a drum, and it was it was a really fun episode. It's now archived at bigfatsnaredrum.com, just because it doesn't fit the format of Big Fat Five. I want you to get back to the show, but go check it out. This drum is beautiful, and he actually let me use it on an Eve Six tour, and I didn't keep it and I regretted it ever since then just because I was trying to pinch pennies at the time and I just kept thinking about it and so the opportunity to get it again was presented and it is one of my favorite drums so the ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum check it out reach out to me go to vessel drum co the instagram's just at vessel drum co and check it out it's amazing it's beautiful sounds great bye all right, number three, live on tour in Europe. The release here is 1976. The artist is a drummer that is honestly not talked about enough on this podcast, the Billy Cobham, George Duke band. And the song choices, oh my, am, am I going to mess up oh, yeah. the name? You're going to have a hard time. Al Mustafa, the beloved. Yeah, Al Mustafa, the beloved. There you go. And then, of course, yeah, Billy Cobham on drums. So take it away. Yeah, so people don't know this in regards to me in terms of my my playing maybe per se but billy Cobham actually was a strong influence mm-hmm. in um how i approach the drums actually how like how i even go things with my own group him and george duke in this album uh and especially when i first heard this song i was like oh man this is a this is a whole sound sonically just what's happening in this track in particular between him and George Duke, like Billy Cobham sounds like a superhuman on drums on this. Like he just sounds like a superhero in general. And the way I look at Billy Cobham is just like fully like a superhero. You could just even tell like, you know, him with the little like rap around his head, the two bass drums, him with the singles, just powering through in the singles. He was just an amazing Titan. And the first time I heard him, actually was with McCoy Tyner's Fly With The Wind. Mm. I was like, I have never heard someone play that strong on the drums with an amazing pocket structure and shape, shape building up the tune. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, that's just like, Billy Cobham has all the qualities of just like a masterful drummer just doing masterful things on the drum set. Unfortunately, I don't know much about George Duke. Is this is it was a, a duo that or that co leadership thing they did together or? Yes, yes. Okay. So this per- particular project was those two as the co leaders, which was genius because during that time period, they were the two leaders of the jazz fusion period. All right, here's uh, Al Mustafa, the beloved. Is this your first time hearing this? This track, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> For years, the people of Orphalis carried a feeling of warmth 
and beauty within their hearts. This is a show. But as always, yeah, dude, like I already tell, yeah. Their leader, Al Mustafa, had to depart to carry his majestic feeling of the story of life to other lands. Though time and time again, his believers knew of his departing, and although his body would be traveling far, far, ever so far away, his soul will remain with them forever, and they'll remember always Al Mustafa, the beloved. 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 The noontide brings silence. And these guys are seeing while playing too. And they're still right here. They got got two. Jesus. This <laughs> <laughs> is comical. How powerful this guy is. Watch this too. This is crazy. Are you sure what to <laughs> Comical. And this too, right here. So clean. Yeah, the ending of this. Oh, God. Yep, right here, coming up.
this is what uh, 76 my god <laughs> it was different you know back then no one's on their phone everyone's actually experiencing this live yeah they're like in complete shock Here we go. Yeah, this guy. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so funny with music. It's when something's so good, you just have to laugh. Right. Absolutely. I mean, what well, it was there's so many moments where it just felt like he just had control of everything that was happening. And that was the other thing too, the strength he applies in his instrument too. The power that he's able to display is just remarkable. Those singles I to this day it's still hard to accomplish like the role of singles within the toms. I was I couldn't I still just in disbelief hearing that. I'm sure his drum heads, when they get picked up, they look, they're like, oh, it's Billy today. Damn it, we're screwed. We are screwed. Good night, guys. Damn it. We have insurance on? Okay, cool. Awesome. Right. And, and this is 76, Billy. Yeah. So this is Hulk Hogan, Billy Cotton. Like, Pete Horn, his sticks are going to break in this tour, Billy, for sure. Yeah, so I, I know they had problems. <laughs> the hardware we have today was because of people like Billy Cobham. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. These the swivelmatics ain't gonna work anymore. No, no. All right, well, to do a total 180 almost, um, but not to take away the amazingness of that drumming, let's go to the album Continuum, released here's 2006. The artist is John Mayer, the song choice is Gravity, and yeah, Sir Steve Jordan. So uh, take it away, and then we'll listen to some very different drumming. Right. Steve Jordan and another person you could put in this category, which is Questlove, they demonstrate a science of, like, amazing drum sound, first of all, in a recording setting. Mm. He is a great example of showcasing sonically mastery of like oh wow this is an incredible snare sound this is an incredible bass drum sound this is and then when you add just the, the signs within that pocket which people really take for granted like a high level of playing pocket music i same around it was funny in in another standpoint is the same time i was listening to billy Cobham was also the same time i was paying attention to steve jordan when you really look at this guy's, some I say Pokemon cards of like, and the reason why I say that, Pokemon cards of like his lineup of people he's played with is just like, man, he's just been around playing so many different artists, you know, just elite artists at that. And then when you really listen to him or like check out stuff on him on YouTube, he's in a complete encyclopedia of like music in the history of drumming too. And you could hear that in his playing, even when he's just playing two and four. It's hard, it's like, unless in like the greats, man, like legends like Clyde Stipperfield and plenty of greats that just have that sound of playing pocket. And Steve Jordan is one of those people that are, are alive right now 
that just have that thing that we're still trying to process and understand on how to get that kind of sound. And Absolutely. not only not only get that kind of sound, still having that understanding of that Steve Jordan. Like we could understand sonically that Steve. Because you could play a lot of people play two and four. You know, a lot of people could play two and four well on pocket. It's really hard to do when you are able to do something like that that's so simple and people know right away that that's Steve. And, and I love this song too because the whole song, we, we we forget about like when it comes to making an album, how to make the song sound so good, the quality just being so good. 100%. All right, here's Gravity. Again, another guy they never makes a wrong choice when it comes to music. Oh, I'll never know what makes this man. That thing's still sizzling. Yeah, man. That his heart can stand. Wow. Dream of ways to throw it all away. That right there, that one stop, makes so impactful. Yes. Has taken better man than me. 
He goes on the ride, then he kind of ends on the dome. Almost. He kind of like grooves up towards, yeah, those little choices. So yeah, good. Man. I, I'm I'm starting to realize, I guess, in terms of the things that's important to me is like shaping the song and making constant sonic mature choices within the moment in the music. I, you know, we like the peak contrast from what we heard with Billy Cobham. You had here's one perspective of that of somebody just shaping the story of the tune, and here you have Steve Jordan, who's just constantly in the moment making like the subtle but very impactful choices the whole time in the song as well. Storytelling is hard, man. It's when it comes to talking about the masters in drums, having that ability is what separates someone from being a good drummer to like a great drummer. Mm. And, you know, you could go about it in different ways, whether you're a band leader or and for most cases, like a person like Steve Jordan, where you're just the call. It's because of the fact that people depend on you to be that person, to make those right choices consistently. I would love to have that confidence in myself to just trust my instincts like that and then know that they're right. Right. Um, right. And it's cool to hear that you and 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 you were implying that you you're kind of realizing in real time that your choices are storytelling. And so it's fun to when you put together a group of of selections and you are like I don't know what the through line is, but then you figure it out and it's 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 cool to see that in you in uh in this list. So awesome. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Man. Yeah. All right. So number five, live at the Village Vanguard, released here's 1999, and uh, this this player's uh, already been listened to today, but it's Wynton Marsalis. Right. And the song choice is uh, "Jigs Jig," and the drummer is Herlin Riley. I don't know much about Herlin Riley, so take it away. Uh, Herlin is a is a New Orleans drummer legend. I was really juggling with like a couple of choices with my fifth pick. I really am happy with this pick because Herlin, for me, was the first person I saw that he gave me as an example of like, man, he has this amazing pocket, this amazing groove, but then he's like, he uses like the cowbell that he plays the tambourine. He goes around and uses all these little nuances of how to create all these amazing textures that make sense for the band. But he's, his feel is just so amazing. So, you know, before there was like Chris Dave, who we always champion as a guy who uses like so many gadgets, mm-hmm. like whether it's the two snares, where it's the, the ring cymbal, or whether it's just like playing like, like the hand percussions, like as Tom's. Herlin was kind of that guy that did it before Chris. And when you really even think about it in New Orleans drumming, you know, that's been kind of a thing all the way up to baby dots. Um, so 
Herlin was a good example of that because he became, especially when this record came out, he he was known as like, all right, he's the champion legend of New Orleans drumming for sure. And this song in particular, also the other one, The Cat in the Hat, I, is also my other favorite in that album. But this one, I think he he shows like a little bit of this like percussive feel while using like the cowbell and a couple other things. And he's playing on his hands on the snare and he's just showing a whole display of how to groove in different ways. Harlan Riley, that's that's my pick for number five. Hell yeah. Well, here we go. Jigs Jig.
tambourine. Is there like a tambourine on the tom or something? On the poor tom, yep. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, that's your five. And uh, before I let you go, let people know what you're up to. So I just got back um, from New York, I guess, playing with this R&B. Uh, he, he makes fun of me, but he he, he doesn't take it any sliding way. It's like he he's like a R&B fusion John Mayer, if you will. Uh, his okay. name is Christian Korea. Um, he's a singer songwriter, but he also plays guitar, too. So just imagine like in an R&B setting, sort of, but like the guy's soloing guitar and he can sing and all that stuff. So I've been going off and on playing with him. I'm setting up a West Coast tour with my band, Boom Clap. And then I got some tour dates with uh, the great Mark Turner on saxophone. So I'm kind of flipping around. Today I got a, uh, well, actually, I got a couple of things with this hip hop artist, IDK. They were at uh, uh, Coachella. They were like literally across the uh, trailer park, I guess, from us, the Artist Village. Yeah. There he is. So, yeah, I'm doing like in a private event for that and some other things with him. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of just all over the place, playing with a couple of cool artists. Yeah, and I'm playing a couple of shows in Los Angeles as well. When is that? I'm I'm in Los Angeles, so I'd love to come see you play. Oh, yeah. Um. So I know... Uh, how long are you going to be in L.A.? I are live in L.A. Not? Yeah, I'm L.A. based. Man, so I'm doing like this three-day kind of like guitar fest. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. The first one is with Andrew Renfro, amazing guitar player. They're all at Sam first. Okay. But the 26th is uh, Andrew Renfro. And then the 27th is with Galad Hexelman. And then the 28th is with Mike Moreno. And this is of April? This is of April. It's okay. like back to back to back. And then I guess I just found out that they want, they just text me now. They want me to play uh, the 29th where all three of them are playing at the same time. So I'm actually really looking forward to that because I've played with all of them in, in bands or whether I'm in their band and they are amazing guitarists. They're great writers, you know, just great band leaders and great artists in their own right. It's a treat for me that I get to just hear even just the differences in, in their playing within days of each other and then actually playing, being there to actually hear them all at the same time. Yeah, I'll make sure that everyone, I'll make sure this comes out next week. So people hearing this, this will, if you're hearing this on the day it comes out, this will be Wednesday the 26th. So tonight and then the next three nights, go check out Jonathan in, in LA. Yeah, and let me know when you, you come. I'll put you and Billy in the list, man. It'd be great to just see each other in person and everything. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah, I would, I, I'm stoked to see you play. I'll definitely be at one of those nights, so for sure. And then as everyone knows, your links are in the show notes. And yeah, thanks for hanging out, dude. That was that was really, really fun. And yeah, it was, it was really cool to see that through line of telling a story, dynamics. Everyone should have been writing notes. I know I was. I'm looking at them right now, so... <laughs> <laughs> well hopefully i'll see you next week then dude yeah and we'll stay in contact man it's truly a pleasure yeah ditto man all, all right. right cheers dude cheers 
Okay, so here is our first segment of the listener picks. Should we call this the small skinny one? It's a work in progress, but here's Stefano. Thanks for listening, everyone. Cheers. Hi, Ben. This is Stefano Ashbridge with DrumLessonsInLA.com. Thank you so much for the work you do with the Big Fat Five podcast. Hearing about the songs and drum parts that inspire other drummers takes me back to being blown away when I heard my favorites for the first time. One of those favorites is the intro to Say Goodbye by the Dave Matthews Band, specifically the feel that kicks off the song at about the one-minute mark. I remember how fresh and inventive Carter Bulford's drumming sounded to me when I first heard it, especially in that style of music. Every time I hear that feel, I'm taken back to the visual of Carter playing through the song in his instructional video. He established the groove playing with the Promark Hot Rods, and that feel crescendos nicely into the rest of the song. Anyway, keep up the great work. Thanks again. the show. If you're listening on a platform that allows ratings and reviews, do that. It helps more people find the show so it'll get bigger and better and hopefully I'll have a chance to sell out one day. But you'll be an OG listener that can brag to all your friends. Anyways, why don't you go and check us out at BigFatSnareDrum.com and follow us on all the socials. Just search for Big Fat Snare Drum and you will find us. The show is edited in part using Isotope RX Audio Editor. It's amazing. So go check that out at Isotope.com. And thanks again to Gunnar Olsen for the theme music. Bye.